Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. I just need to find Bobby because I've got some incontinence pants for his nan, Emma. And I could really do with some incontinence pants, Emma. That's rubbish. That was a rubbish. I do like that. I'm all a flustered. <laughs> <laughs> Connor. <laughs> so, what have we got coming up this week, Emma? We have your hero of the week and your slapping Dan. We have your usual roundup, of course. But first, here's the jingle. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. You ain't my mother. Yes, I am. My boy, Blimey, Mr. Butcher. Fifty-seven was my nan. Fifty-seven was everyone else. One minute we'll be looking at each other. The next. Rubbing each other's clothes off. Mother always said I could be a star. Hope, Hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the fireworks. fireworks. Good, Good night. Go into the chapel and the gonna, gonna get married. married. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Balam. Oh, we have been waiting for this moment, Emma. For this moment since we started this podcast. You were literally back for Balam. I was re- I was back for Balam. You had a little period off. You came back for Balam. I had a period off of EastEnders for a while. It was a sinful time, I must admit. Don't worry, you uh, caught up on it all. I have, I have. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. I'm an obsessive. I make <laughs> it my mission. <laughs> and... I think we I think we all at that point in the early Ballam days were all like rooting for them. We all were like, Oh my god, it's like the cutest new thing. Like we were all so young back then. So the week kicks off for Callum um by getting a beautiful mug from Billy. No, like absolutely stunning. I'm shocked that Billy's still flogging that like scrap. Like honestly, what is that stall even got? That's the bric a brac stall that your grandmother goes to and go, is convinced, convinced that these are antiques, when actually they're all just a load of clobber and like rubbish stuff. Like, did you see it? It was the most ugliest mug I've ever seen. And he had I've two. Seen a few ugly mugs. <laughs> I've seen a few ugly mugs, but, but that's definitely the ugliest. I love it because he was like, you can have the other one, and it's like, oh, I mean, <laughs> what a treat. I love it because he's like, something old, something new. I was like, well, which which does this fall into? Because it looks confused itself. <laughs> it's like, so weirdly shaped. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> and then um, and then Callum was like, ooh, and something to give you nightmares. I'm like, well, why are you buying it, love? Put it back. <laughs> I'll be freaked out if I was Ben coming home to find that and me flipping, you know, come out. I'm just going to have a coffee. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Connor's birthday in like a couple of weeks and... I've got them that, I wonder. I don't <gasps> so Whitney comes over and um, she has a couple of words with Callum, I think. Some nice poisonous words before a wedding. <laughs> well, I, I think she was jealous of the mug. I think so too. I think she was a bit like, Callum, I bought me one. But don't worry, Whitney, don't worry. Billy's got another one. You could, yeah, he could have bought her the other, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Be like, well, Whitney, just a saying old... No hard feelings, and I'm sorry for everything. He has a mug just for you. She urges him and Ben to start telling the truth to each other. I'll give Whitney the benefit here, Emma, because obviously she is hurting, and I will give her the benefit of the doubt. But I think to equate telling a lie and Callum being genuinely afraid to come out because of 
you know, society and the pressures of that and the abusive pressure that his dad put on him to be straight and to be normal and not to be gay and to hate homosexuality. I think, like, there's not an equivalence there. Like, that's that's wrong to say that. Callum has those words ringing in his ear and he sees Ben on the phone and Ben's not telling him who he was talking to. But it turns out he was off to see Grandma Vi. Oh, can I just... I just love her. Grandma, we, <laughs> we love, love you. <laughs> Grandma, we, we do. I just love her. And like she comes in and you think, oh, she's such a kind little old thing, isn't she? And then all of a sudden she opens her mouth and she's like cheeky. And like she instantly is like, so uh, so I'll have a coffee. Yeah, I'll have a coffee. Um, You know, mine's a... Uh, Mine's with milk and uh, no sugars, thank you. Uh, like, obviously being rude, because she's... She know. I think she knew. She, she knew, knew 100%. He was not a waiter for some flipping London, random London cafe. This is the way he was dressed. I know. <laughs> I was like, maybe if we're in a restaurant by, I would believe that, but not flipping that. I loved it, because... I mean, let's be honest, that one they were in is very, very run down, and there's Ben in a suit. Yeah, Ben's in a suit. <laughs> Yeah, they've spent all their money on the uniform. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that she, she already knew who he was because she oh, yes. deliberately brought up Whitney, but then yes. also knew that Callum was with Ben because she says that in like the next sentence. Yeah, I love it because I love that Stuart was there as well. It's like Ben's wingman as well. Yeah. That's just everything. Like, who would have ever thought that Stuart, who had like beaten up Ben um, like years prior, is now his best mate? He's like, I can't wait for you to get married. <laughs> Come meet me, Grant. Stuart's facial expressions in some of these scenes were just enough for me. Like, he didn't even have to utter words. Like, there was so many when, exactly. whenever Vi was talking, he was just like, oh, my God, help. <laughs> and I love when she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I can't remember Ben. No, I can't remember Ben. You'll just have to be Whitney. You know, I'm getting on. I'm getting on. You know, the longer um, name. <laughs> the longer name. She'll remember that. It'll just have to be Whitney. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of like that now as well. I'm, I'm getting on, so I kind of just think, I'll just call everyone Whitney. <laughs> oh, is that why you've been calling me Whitney all day? Yeah, yeah. That should have been my intro. Hi, I'm Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> but then when she figures out, like when she knows, or she gets confirmation that Ben is Callum's husband to be, she instantly makes a little bit of a cheeky jab again. She's like, so you're the fella Callum skinny dipping in the other side of the pool for... I mean, I wouldn't mind Callum skinny dipping in my pool, to be fair. <laughs> like, just going to say that, Vi. If this whole wedding doesn't work out for him, I'm always available. <laughs> I mean, you're not, <laughs> but okay. I mean, I'm not. Not really. <laughs> I mean, I've said that, and then I've got, like, you know, a, a wedding venue <laughs> viewing in tune. So, yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm just a big old flirt on here. <laughs> anyway, back on track. Vi introduces herself as Vi. Vi? Vi. 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 I love the new character, Vi. Vi. The easy way of saying Vi. <laughs> she just combines her name with Vi. Vi. <laughs> anyway, uh, Vi introduces herself to Ben, but makes a point of saying, he can call her Violet. And I love that. Mostly because it's my my um, my great nana's name, uh, who was known as Big Nana. 
uh, scary woman, very scary woman. Um, no, no one should ever dis- no one would ever disrespect Vi. Let's just put it that way. And I feel like this Vi is very similar. <laughs> she took a bit of a shining though to um, not only the Mitchell bathroom but also a picture of Phil, didn't she? Yeah, I love what she came down to. Have to say that lavatory is beautiful. That lavatory is beautiful. Three ply toilet roll. Hey, you're living fine now, Callum. I was like, flipping heck, she is my grandma, because that's what we grow say. I just have to say, your house is immaculate. <laughs> immaculate. Every time I come here, I'm a Connor. Every time I come here, it's always clean and tidy. It's absolutely immaculate. Ben's surprise was meant to be Vi, wasn't it? But it turns out that he gets a little bit of a surprise of his own, because Callum just randomly accuses him of murder. Thanks, Whitney. <laughs> Uh-oh. And obviously, Vi and... Stuart walk in. And... Vi's very adamant. She wants to know exactly, exactly what Ben does for a living. And when Ben doesn't give her a completely straightforward answer, which I don't know why I didn't just lie and say, or not lie, but like massage the truth. Because obviously they do gangstery stuff, but they also have two actual businesses. That's why I was wondering. I was like, why do you not just say like, I'm a mechanic? It Doesn't he own the arches? Yeah, I think yeah. he does. Well, he definitely owns, part owns the car lot, doesn't yeah. he, with Che? So you could so, like, say that. So something. And he certainly, if he doesn't own the archers, which, oh no, he does, he definitely yeah. owns it because Vi was trying to get it from Ian by making him ask Ben for it. So yeah, yeah. It, it it is Ben who owns the archers. It's so complicated, the amount of people who own that flipping, <laughs> that flipping mechanic oh, place. I mean, if you go through the Vic, then that takes a bit longer. <laughs> uh, that's true as well. Um, but why he didn't just say, oh, I'm a mechanic, I like Emma yeah. says, I own... The archers, I own uh, the car lot, part own the car, car lot. Vi would have just been like, wow, that's really impressive. Instead, Ben's like, oh, just this and that. What? <laughs> I would Why automatically be, be like, shady business. Oh, she knows that he's a crook, like to some degree. She knows that he's he's been involved in crime. Because I suspect maybe she has as well. Oh, absolutely. She's still been involved in crimes. She knows the ins and outs of criminal lingo. Like when she's having that, she remember she's like sat down listening on that conversation with um, Bobby and uh, Kim. And she knows from what he writes in his like little profile yeah. that he's talking about being away for time, that he's been in jail. That's something only a criminal or the mother of a criminal would know. <laughs> so come on, Vi, which one is it? <laughs> I love when she picks up that photo and compares Phil to Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Willis if you squint <laughs> it's time it's time for Vi to leave so Stuart reluctantly takes her away to spend some quality time together and you know just avoid talking about Rainy and inviting her over <laughs> yeah um, Stuart's obviously being careful because he is married to someone but as he's already seen the disappointment the disapproving nature of Vi towards Ben and Callum, he's probably feeling a little bit anxious about introducing that to Rainy. I think she could hold that one, though. I think so, too. And actually, I think Vi would be cheeky, but I think she would also have a good laugh with Rainy. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not laughs in the Mitchell household because Callum decides, after accusing Ben... He's got to be honest. And he tells Ben the truth. That he and D.I. Thompson 
remember D.I. Thompson? He was in everyone's business. He was always in all, solving all the crimes. Remember him? Remember him? You know, the one that you could grow and you can make new ones of. Yeah, he was like everywhere. A bit like what Jack is now. He's always everywhere. He's on all cases. Yeah, Jack's on every crime. Every crime in Walford. It's a bit like that. Well, Ben doesn't take this too well when he finds out that Cal and the D.I. were like best chums trying to take down his dad. And they have a real bad argument. It's heartbreaking. It's like, no, is are they going to end up in the chapel together? Because Ben, he can't believe it. He's been sharing his bed with a glass. <laughs> the way that he said it was just so unreal that I had to try and imitate it. It was like something else. Went, I can't believe I've been sharing my bed with a glass. It was like parcel tongue, wasn't it? It was like something off of like... You know, you just imagine, like, a basilisk coming out from behind the wall, like... Ganga the silly thing! scared Nagin, he's just going to pop up behind Callum now. <laughs> I mean, Ben, I know he snitched on you so little, but flipping heck, summoning a snake to kill him's a bit much. <laughs> no, he's not practising his parcel tongue. Instead, he's just fuming, and he tells... He tells Callum that things aren't going to be okay, that he feels betrayed, that he told him things that he'd never told anyone. And it looks like that's it. Callum and Ben go their separate ways. It's all blooming ruined because of D.I. Thompson. Again. That man. That man. I do love that he went to Kathy to go and like tell her about it. And Kathy was like a proper Balam stan. In particular, a Callum stan. Yeah, yeah, she's she's like, look, Ben, it's probably your fault. I know what you like. Yeah. Callum can't keep secrets. He can't even keep them from Lexi. So what have you done? I did love seeing Kathy and Ben have these moments because for a while it felt Peach. like Kathy was always with Ian and never really interacted with Ben when she was sitting down with him and saying how that's like, Callum's like the best thing that's ever happened to him and trying to get him to, to just go over this and go marry him yeah work it through yeah like work it out like i think um i think you're right it's lovely to see kathy like interacting with ben on this level because like you say we had intense mother of the year kathy for ian when ian was not well but we've never really had that for ben for a while now maybe even since she came back like it's quite been off and on with her and Ben so to have her there to be that kind of like pillar and be like no listen uh, I, like all jokes aside like obviously Kathy doesn't hear us so like and she says like you know listen I don't care what's going on Callum is the best thing that's ever happened to you don't lose him and I was like that's a really sweet moment to give them and it was so sad when he went up to Callum and he took some of Kathy's words on board, but kind of took them the wrong way. Yeah. Because then he realised that, oh, yeah, I am a bad guy. Callum's great. So he goes and tells Callum, like, you were a sweet, gorgeous boy until, like, you met me. And then he blames himself for how Callum is. And he, he just, he doesn't think he's good enough. And he doesn't want Callum to grow to hate him. So he ends up, like, bringing this all on himself. It's so sad, like, that he blames himself. I think we always say that, like, damaged young boy. Not the not the Ben who was, like, the, the dancing Ben. Like, 
I think in these moments we always say that Ben who came back from prison um, and like and was changed like was really really changed and had been so affected by the trauma of his youth and also the trauma of the um, the prison that he was in that like it really did change who he thought he was like it affected who he thought he was like identity wise and i think yeah we're seeing it again where he says like what have i done to you i'll grow i'll just end up hurting you in the end i won't mean to but i will and it's like you say it's like so tragic and painful it was a wonderful scene to have but it was like very difficult to have ben back in that kind of Mm. negative mind space of himself because you say ultimately if you behold yourself as a villain you will become a villain. If you behold yourself as someone trying to do better, you will do better. And I think that's what we've been saying. Ben has been Mm -hmm. trying to be a better person all this time. And then for Callum to be like, I'm sorry, I've lied to you, but I did it to protect you. And then Ben to take that as like, well, look at how I've affected Callum. Now he's kind of back in that headspace of, I'm bad, I'm I'm evil, I'm, you know, I deserve to be alone, I deserve to be punished, mind space. And it's not healthy. And when he does get in that mind space, that's when he kind of gets a bit more into, like, a lot more criminal activity and trying to, like, yeah. win Phil over. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's in, in some ways, trying to prove to himself that he is the bad guy. Yeah. That he, he is the villain. Because um, what, what better way to be alone? I think, ultimately, this all comes down to intimacy issues and not wanting to to lose anything like he obviously feels so strongly about Callum that I think when it's so close to having everything and being happy Ben's scared and he is like self-destructive in some ways I see we, we can see this yeah where even now Kathy's like listen whatever's happened it's nothing mm-hmm. just go and sort out this is true love like that you have yeah this is your one chance at true love do not give up on it I think Ben's really upset that Callum didn't tell him about it and like he could have helped in some way and I know we spoke about that on the podcast that maybe if Ben had an idea about it they or even Phil known about it like they could then like double cross the DI yeah yeah I think that's where Callum in his like naivety yeah has screwed himself over a bit because had he just been honest and upfront with Phil and Ben about what was going to what was going on with Thompson they could have wrangled it so that the di got in trouble or or that like you know they double crossed him and his investigation was destroyed like but then again i guess it, on, on callum's part you can see why you'll be a bit scared of that he just started this new job he was he was not unsure what to do um and he didn't really know how to approach ben and phil about this and like how this yeah. would impact him he didn't know if this would impact negatively or positively so I guess you can see both sides there. You can. It, it was a very complicated situation, wasn't it? Like, it's a very complicated like, storyline, Connor. <laughs> it was, it was, Emma. It was. It's difficult to keep up with. We still don't know what that evidence was. No, we still don't. <laughs> I do know someone who knows. And he's seen the videos and he's not impressed. He's not impressed. Neither is Frankie. No, not both of them. Oh. No, neither is Frankie. Wow. Will we ever find out who that Irish man was? No. <laughs> we'll just keep making him the star he was meant to be. And Phil is 
a Balam stan these days, isn't he? He's a massive oh, Balam yes. stan. Massive. And Who could have seen this coming? I, I love Phil seeing this turnaround Mitchell. of Phil. Don't you just love his new little leather jacket he's got on? Remember when him and Grant came back yeah. uh, to save Peg from, from Johnny Allen and they were wearing leather? That it is literally that. the vibe I got. I was like, oh my God, this is the Phil we know. <laughs> <laughs> But I love it when he's like, he wants them to get back together because he's paid for the honeymoon. I love that. Yeah, he's like, excuse me, I've just spent a fortune. Can you get back on that blooming honeymoon? And a bit like um, Kathy, he goes and says how like the best thing that's happened to Ben is Callum and he can see how much they love each other and that. But when he approaches him and he's saying that he's heard from Ben and Callum's just like, what? And he's like, is it true? And yeah. Callum's like, no, Phil. And he's like, that you've had an argument and the wedding's off. You see the relief, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say, oh, thank God. <laughs> yes, because uh, we all know that Phil has a bit of a short temper and uh, I don't blame Callum for being worried. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, he's scary. He's a scary man. Um, but thankfully, he knows nothing of this. Knows nothing of this yet. Phil's day just, just keeps going. I mean, he's, he's now... Having a lovely afternoon with Vi. I love that. I just love it. When she's like sat across from him and she's like, you know, what does your wife think of all this? What does your wife think of all this? Can I just ask? And he's like, well, which one? I've got four. She's like, oh, you've been married before then. <laughs> like, I just love the judgment in every word that she says. I could not believe Kathleen Slater that she would step into Ruby Allen's establishment, knowing fine well what she done to our Stace, and exactly. in particular her Stace. And not only that, she was sacked from there. Yeah. I mean, maybe she's went in there to like deliberately vandalise it, you know, like do Dotty style where she used to leave cockroaches at Keegan's, like sandwiches and things. Will like, they ever find out Ruby sent them the rat? I don't think so. I think it's going to be one of those great mysteries that they never find out about. <laughs> it was such a random thing. Remember, it was a dirty rat, and all the kids had to touch it and everything. They were like, oh, someone sent us a rat. <laughs> I love it because, like, cats over here, and like, all of Vi's like cheekiness, like, just like, I mean, it's different, isn't it, for guys? I'm all for equality. Like, I, lo- I don't know what accent I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sound like Mrs. Piggy Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because she's like all for equality except for when it comes to the institution of marriage I'm like well that's quite a big factor of equality there Vi like, well with this uh, this is the first gay marriage Christian and Saeed had a civil partnership didn't they they had the first civil partnership and Balam are about to have their first marriage. And I honestly just think this is so amazing that EastEnders has once again, once again, gone into this realm of like LGBT activism. Like, I love it. It's all just about giving time to these elements that are often forgotten or deliberately ignored um, that EastEnders does well. Like, remember the first gay couple, like, Come on, mm-hmm. that's iconic. And I loved the first gay couple for one one line that they put in. Really, honestly, I always, always remember this. I know I, now I'm going to sound like I am blooming ancient, but Ange <laughs> turned around to, to one of them and said, 
it's all right, darling. I understand when he was trying to tell I he was gay. And it's lines like that that East Enders always does well mm-hmm. um, to convey these big moments. And they've continued that trend of simple things to convey big messages and have now developed that into pride episodes, to civil partnerships for Said and Christian, to marriage equality. Like East Enders has always been challenging the the social norms and also we have the mila and ikra relationship we're exploring mila's journey coming out to her parents it's very interesting isn't it because it's like we've got two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the process of acceptance you have phil sat across from vi defending his son who he previously had issues with but has come to learn and understand his sexuality is not something he chooses and it's just something that is and he should just be accepted and loved like it doesn't change who he is um and it's love to it's lovely to see him at that end of the spectrum the ending where where ben's got so much acceptance now for himself that he's going to get married and then you've got mila on the other end of that spectrum where she's just starting that journey as much as we love to defend and love to to go off on a massive massive Balam love you, like, you know, a Balam love you ballad. <laughs> a Balam ballad. A Balam ballad. We have to return to Vi. When she came out, she was like, oh, how very woke of you, Phil. Like when he was like supporting Ben, I'm like, oh, come on. You can't be that judgmental when you've not even seen Callum for flipping ages now. Come on. Yeah, she didn't even turn. You know what's confusing? She didn't even turn up to his wedding with Whitney. The first one, yeah, she hated it so much she didn't turn up. <laughs> Nothing pleases Vi. So I feel like maybe Callum's a, gra- a grandma's boy. Like that's just he's like the apple of her eye. She just wants no one to be with him. Yes, it, she kind of gives that vibe. So Phil uh, leaves his jacket, so he has to come in. He comes in to find Cat, chatting to Vi, saying that he's a great dad, and. Pretty much just singing his praises because, you know, Fat's going to be back on. Oh, it's so back on. I do love that. I have to say, I do love when Phil is like, is obviously left because he's like annoyed with what Vi said. And she's like, well, with a father like you, with such a short temper, no wonder that boy is the way he is. He never stood a chance. And then Kat steps up to the plate because she is all for hashtag Fat. She's here to defend her man. Stand by your man. So she's going to, she's going to stand by him. She gets up, she's like, listen, old lady. Listen, Linda. She's like, my name's fine. Listen, Linda. (laughs) I'll call you Linda, though. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what. That man, he died for his kids. And then because I was frightened, because then I thought, oh my God, Kat is so right. But also we know what EastEnders is like for foreshadowing. And I was just like, whenever the time comes, we all know it'll come eventually, guys. We just fear it. We all know, we all know that EastEnders likes to foreshadow. So when Kat started going on that tangent, saying things like Phil would die for his kids, I was like, oh, no, because you know what? That's how I imagine Phil will go out. And mm. I was like... I would say that's that's like a really... I know it might be many years off now. It might be decades. But I actually picture that is how Phil will die. He will die saving either Ben or one of his other kids. And it's funny because Carl mentions Raymond and, you know, the other yes. children. We never see him with Raymond anymore. We never no. see Raymond. He's maybe, maybe he's in bed asleep again. 
You remember we used to like to sleep a lot. He did like to that. sleep a lot. Remember <laughs> <laughs> every time we went out of the room, we should be. I remember when Phil took the selfie. The selfie, the sleeping selfie. <laughs> but I love it because then when Vi goes, wait, how old Raymond? Four years old. He's seventy. What's he doing having a four-year-old? And I was like, oh, my God, she's coming for his age. But I loved seeing that cat, like, come and defend him and, like, defend his, like, honour. And Vi, like, obviously was kind of put in her place and Phil came in just the right time to, like, say it all. And then what I love is that Vi, Vi goes, um, it's been lovely speaking to you, Kathleen, and stuff like that, doesn't she? She's like, um... But I'll pay. These are on me because I couldn't live with myself if I let a lady of the night pay for my drinks. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, just what a read. Like, my God. Like, that is like such a flipping a snide comment to make. <laughs> Phil's just laughing in the corner. Then they go and sit down and have a laugh about how he's been called like 70 and she's been called a lady of the night. I love it. And when he says, I hope you put put her right, I'm not blooming 70. She's like, yeah, of course I put her right, 75. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a little bit of fun again that like I feel like we've been missing from them ever since like, you know, like all the push death and like the, the, the landslide of like misery that followed that, like... I feel like I've been missing a bit of this, like, fun nature back and forth between Kat and Phil, so it was really lovely to see them kind of unite in the 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 honour of Balam. They do the comedy so well. They do. And then Kathy is taking this opportunity again to try and repair Balam, and we find out Callum's going to go to the wedding no matter what. Yeah, yeah I love that. <laughs> I'll be at the altar. <laughs> so Kathy even if it's not on <laughs> even, even if it's cancelled Kathy's like Ben you're gonna go Kathy's bought the rings she's yeah, got she's got her dress got her hat she's going that's what it is isn't it it's just like listen love I spent my time going through shoe after shoe <laughs> after shoe I want to be able to go into this when I've got a hat I've got the shoes I've got the dress all sorted you are getting on that flipping altar and marrying them and if not, I think she'll marry Callum because she's she's going. I mean, she's ready anyway, isn't she? She might as well. So this week, Linda kicks off the week, giving us our first hint. It's not the menopause. She's pregnant. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <gasps> No, who actually asked for this? Like, who asked for this, Emma? Who asked for this? (laughs) You've all seen the tweet. (laughs) We're not happy. No, we're not. I just, I've got to get it out. I've just got to get out. Come on, Emma, get out, get out of here. Exercise your demons, Emma. So Max isn't on the square. He's gone. So what was the point of making the baby Max's? Why did not... Like, start the storyline, maybe extend sooner. Max's time on the square. I don't know. Like, start it sooner. I'll extend his time, whatever you prefer. Then there would be some sense of drama there between Max, Nick, Linda. But with 
Linda being pregnant and Max not on the screen at all. I understand she'll probably go and see him when the actress goes on maternity leave. Yeah. But there'll be no aftermath because, like, Mick's clearly going to be okay with a baby. Yeah, I'm with you, Emma. I think it's odd. I mean, I don't know EastEnders, so I'm not sure what they're planning, but I find it odd as well that Max was cut and they were like, let's make a storyline that's going to affect no one. Because <laughs> it isn't, ultimately, is it? Like, do you honestly think Mick's going to, like, reject Linda? I personally don't. She's like, the love of his life. He's, he's been with us since he was, like, 14. I don't imagine he's going to reject her. For a baby that she fell pregnant with due to um, an affair that was ultimately created because... She didn't know what was going on with Mick. She felt unloved. She thought Mick didn't love her and that it was over between them. Like, I'm not sure where the drama's going to come out of this. I just, I'm so upset. Like, the family unit, like, feels like it's it's not, it's not ruined, but, like, they've put a wedge in it, kind of. Yeah. By having, like, a Brannon in the mix. <laughs> I do also wonder, though... I'll, I'll say it is nice to have some Brannon blood back on the square. That's true. We've, lo- we've lost many many a Brannon. Yeah, many a Brannon. Um, I am convinced when she comes back, she'll have been with Max to cover the period she obviously can't be on screen. Yeah. And we'll find out. They'll finally do a DNA or something. Oh, it's Mix. <laughs> I actually genuinely think that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> because... Did they not have... Are we to believe that they never had any sort of sexual relationship at all around five months ago? Because I don't know that that's the case. Also, like, he did come to terms a bit with, like, honesty with Linda and, like, did tell her, like, around that period, remember? Like, he definitely did tell Linda what was going through his head. They got back together. They may have had a moment in that time we're just not we didn't see on screen there's been plenty of times where we've not seen things and then it's it's been you are the father you know <laughs> exactly you are the child's father so yeah I, I, i'm i think we're both in agreement that it will think it's max's right up until linda's back on the square normality is restored and we've got another little carter on the square we're gonna have to start getting extensions on that bit yeah i know I mean, where's Tina going to sleep? <laughs> That's the main question. Where is Tina going to sleep? I have I have visions of Shirley being like, well, you can't have another baby because where's Tina <laughs> going to sleep? Uh, you can move out. The kid turns one, gets his backpack on. <laughs> Nancy, I love it. Nancy will be absolutely livid if it's a girl because she's not liking this sister rivalry oh, shards with Frankie. Frankie all of a sudden, doesn't she? <laughs> we said we sensed a bit of sibling rivalry growing, yeah. right? Or a bit of tension. But Jesus, she suddenly hates her. I was like, flipping heck, put it away. Nancy flipping heck, you know, call me a flipping hatred. I've just had an idea. Yeah. I think Nancy's annoyed with Frankie because we know. Frankie took our room. That's what it is. That's all it is. It all stems down that. And now Nancy's got to share a room with Tina whenever she comes back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love, can I just say? I, I would love, love. I would love some scenes of Shirley at the window just constantly looking for Tina. Out looking the, out. Out the curtains. <laughs> Tina, can you hear me? <laughs> Tina. 
can you see? I used to stand at the window like that. <laughs> Tina, leave a light on for me. <laughs> I'll be home. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I just love it. I love, like, I just love Sally's belief that Tina's, like, just on an adventure somewhere. <laughs> and that she has a room, that she has to have a room every, in every one of Mick's houses. <laughs> it's just everything. Well, actually, speaking of Nancy and speaking of babies, Nancy doesn't want a baby. And uh, for some reason, Linda is bothered by this. Linda. It's not your body love. Like, I hate to break it to you. Well, that you was... can't literally scuba dive in there and be like, no, this is staying the way it is. <laughs> this said, it's staying the way it is. It's Nancy's. It's not yours. Well, that was the first point where we get a hint that Linda's pregnant because she says growing a life is like nothing else. Mm. And it was like... Hmm. Very subtle hint, wasn't it? I have to say, though, I absolutely adored Frankie walking in, in the middle of the conversation, absolutely oblivious to what was going on, saying, I'm off to get some lemons. Does anyone want anything? <laughs> I love it. And then I love when Nancy's about to went, how about some grandkids? I'm like, oh, God, just step in it. Quick, get out. Get out, Frankie, when you can. <laughs> Duck, there's going to be things throwing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out before they hate you. Like, it's just so bizarre that, like, Linda has such an obsession with it. She's like, kids are everything. What do we need you, Linda? And yes, like, you know, to lots of people, but not to everyone. Like, you can't instill that in Nancy. Because instead of talking to her like a rational human being, she's like, don't you dare. Don't you dare get that, all of your insights ripped out by some butcher. I'm like, Jesus, Linda. I think it's it's really good that it's highlighting though that not every woman wants exactly. it wants to have children. It's, it's like so body positive. This like whole topic. We're seeing like how Ruby's starting to want to to have a family, and then we're seeing like Rainy like going through surrogacy, and like then we're seeing Nancy not wanting children. It's really good to see all these different ways that yeah. women can control their bodies and do what they want to do. Exactly. Exactly. The portrayal, as Emma's saying, it's very body positive. It's very female um, orientated. And it's trying to destroy some of those sorts of like built in stereotypes. I mean, I don't know who Linda thought Nancy was going to. The way she described the <laughs> surgery, it was as if like she was going to a Victorian cut wife. Like Linda's like, I always dreamed of having grandkids. You've got two other children. You may still like you've got three children. Sorry. Linda has. A terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> She's going to pretend to be Nancy and head to Nancy's appointment. Hmm. I don't know how she ever thought that would go down well. Yeah, I don't know what she was thinking was going to happen. She can't really convince a doctor to not. Also, I love that that doctor just took her word for it. This crazy lady pretended to be someone, walked into an appointment that wasn't hers, and now it's like saying, my daughter's on drugs. You can't give her the treatment. Like, the doctor's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that changes things then, Linda. Then uses the appointment to have her own appointment. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Linda has a funny turn and she announces to the doctor that she thinks she's pregnant, confirming all our worst fears, all hard nightmares have come to pass. You were so confident. You were so confident when you said the menopause and I was I so confident for you. <laughs> 
I was so I'm so devastated. It's one of the many theories that I've got wrong, but I'm sure I will get some right eventually. I think a menopause storyline would have been great. Looking at some of the struggles with the menopause, like Davina highlighted in that documentary the other night. Yeah. So after Linda's bombshell of pregnancy, she goes home and Nancy is furious. Furious. How could she do that to her? How could she try and control her? Try and worm her way in. To be fair, I'm with Nancy on this. This is a different step, like, like Linda. Like me and Emma, I can understand you being concerned about your daughter, worried about your daughter's choices, even having an opinion on it to a degree. However, you cannot go and use her privately booked appointment in a private clinic to flip and have a scan for yourself, but also criticise her for flipping choosing to have a, like, sterilisation. And, you know... I'm still upset since Nancy put that cigarette out with my fairy cakes. Yeah. But I am siding with her here. Yeah. So Linda tells Mick the truth. She tells him that she's pregnant five months. He could do the maths. And uh, that means it's Max's, okay? Potentially. I've just had a thought. Do you think when she worked it out, she was like, oh, it was that many months. Do you think she was like, well, Max was on the scene, so she just assumed... It was Max's. That's what confused me because she definitely had times with Mick. She's had sexual encounters with Mick during that same time. As bad as this is for the Carters, as bad as all this is, this is complicated things to no end. Out of nowhere, a rainbow appears. A silver lining just bursts through all this gloom because guess what, Emma? Katie Lewis, she's played guilty. And with her pleading guilty, that means Mick feels like it's like she's took away his chance to say something as well. And he's still wanting that time to say what this has done to him, how he feels, how this has impacted his life. And but if he chooses to still do this because he still gets this chance to do it, the only difference is you're no longer anonymous. It is unfair, and it's such a, especially for Mick, who is scared to death of doing that because he doesn't want to be the victim. He doesn't want to be known forever as that person. It is terrifying. But I do obviously understand as well Mick feeling like justice has been stolen a bit because although to some degree it's great that Katie's pleaded guilty because now it's like she's going, she's going to be punished, like she's going to be punished for this. Mm-hmm. The crime is, she's admitted to the crime. However, it's like she is still trying to have control over this situation. She's still trying to exert that control over Mick. And I can understand if Mick doesn't have his opportunity to fight in court, how he will feel like he has not had any sort of justice. Because it's just her basically getting herself into trouble, not the other way around. It's not him taking back power and getting her jailed. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, although it's good news for, for in some ways, it's also tumultuous and it's also yeah. complicated things for Mick. At this point, Mick and Linda haven't really spoke since the baby bombshell. And it's not until he's talking to the guy where he's saying that you have Linda by your side and she'll be there for you and... And he's he's like, yeah, yeah, she will. She, she's always by my side, my L. And it's when um, he goes back to Linda and he 
he says they're, they're going to get through everything together and he tells her the news and they agree to, to be by each other's sides. Oh, I just love Mick and Linda. I just want the baby to be Mick's. Me too. The posters are up. Jack's on the case because Jack seems to be on a lot of cases. He works every single case in Walford. He has become the DI. Do you remember what we used to say that that DI Thompson worked every single case? Every single case, whether it's a house party, whether it's a murder, attempted murder. That DI Thompson was in it. Now Jack's the exact same. Yeah. And now he's on Bailey's case. And um, Keegan's putting up all the posters. Isaac's ripping them down because... How did Keegan get these number wrong? Oh, I know. That's so true. I, when I saw Isaac doing that, though, I literally thought, I think everyone had the same feeling. Oh, no, this is because he's off his meds. And he's, like, he's he's starting to, like, have irrational thoughts or something. Like, he's behaving erratic. But, but actually, it's because... He knew Keegan's number better than Keegan. <laughs> Wouldn't you if you were, like... I mean, I'm not criticising Keegan yet because I love him. He's very attractive. But... <laughs> Have to put it in every episode. <laughs> Love them. Very attractive. Just in case, Emma. Just in case. Just in some case. alternate universe, we end up together. Um, however, how do you not take the time when you're making a missing poster for your sister to like check that everything's right? Get the details correct. Yeah, you would think, wouldn't you? You'd be like, must, 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 must make sure that this is the right number. Um, no, now, apparently it didn't. Now I want to say it's because Bernie's been an easier saying... Molly's helping because she cares so much more about Molly and Banjo. And she keeps mentioning Banjo. I I tell you what, Molly's one good girlfriend. If I was Molly, I'd be where the heck is she? They keep stealing that dog. (laughs) And I mean, the worst thing ever is that Tina really loved dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the main thing. I feel like because Shirley's not been in this week, like a lot, I really needed to bring her in. Um, so yeah (laughs) and Amy talks about how Bailey was really upset because she couldn't go to the space camp um, and it wasn't all expenses paid as Mitch soon finds out and then that's when he figures out that maybe Bailey's disappeared because of money and he starts to blame himself and look back on himself and how he's been with not only Bailey but Chantel and Keegan when they were children and how he, he abandoned them but Mitch, you were struggling financially and were much more focused on trying to get money in to look after Bailey that you didn't notice what was happening to Bailey. I mean, it must have been heartbreaking when Amy was like telling them that, yeah, she she got bullied at one point because she was caught gluing her shoes together. And like, and then also when she adds that like there was another incident that resulted in Bailey being um, like locking herself away in the bathroom. Um, you know, a lot of those sorts of harsh, heart, heart home truths would have would have hurt Mitch. I think. I think he would have had that and been like, "Ooh, I should have seen that coming. I should have seen this happening. Why haven't I seen this happening? Am I a good father?" That's only natural to question that, and he he is only human. That no one's perfect, and it's like Karen says, you can only do your best. No one, there's no perfect parent out there. There's no perfect person. And so it, there's no point beating themselves up to that degree. You just need to now put all that energy 
into looking for Bailey. She just walked around that square asking people in the square if they'd seen Bailey. Wouldn't you be like further afield? Like, wouldn't you be like going into the middle of London? Like, look, like it's a real issue, child, like poverty and child like homelessness wouldn't you like be looking at shelters and things i was also annoyed at the square a bit like karen was yes like how they kind of they sent her a hamper and a, a card bailey's been missing for days now and they're looking at the posters and they're sending her a hamper they're not going out there and going karen do you need any help do you need us to do this fair enough that they all get together at the end of the week and they do help out yes at that point, that could be too late. To me, it just comes across really insulting that none of them even bothered to like say, listen, Karen, even if it's just mundane things, like if you need some money, if you need to, someone to come help clean your house when you're like out looking, any level Anything. of like support would have helped. Would you like me I to think- come and make you some meals? You you like keep going just anything. Anything. Just anything. Isaac's literally the only person yeah, who was helping. doing anything. He was like making the posters. He was helping out there. He was looking for. He was actually looking, and physically looking for. Her, yeah, I think Karen was right when she was saying, "Well, where were you when I had no job and I was knocking on your exactly. doors, exactly, looking for a job?" And all I wanted to do, for example, for the hair salon, exactly, I would just sweep the floors. But all of them have like looked at her and saw her in this position, and as she said, not one of them's went. Do you need any help? Yeah, not one. They're all meant to be her friends and they didn't help out. I think that like, really that really resonated with Denise because Denise has obviously had this and they put her on this pedestal, like that wouldn't happen to Denise. Like they exactly. were they were like, No, you wouldn't have went through this and when Denise d- described how this happened to her and she she wishes she'd done more sooner and she she knows the hamper was a silly idea, but she was just wanting to do something. Um that, I think it was important. I think yeah. it was important what Karen said, because like it's like she, we live in an era where, like what she said, people just like send out an emoji and think that that's it. There's like such a level of like apathy towards actual crisis now that like, you know, it's, they give these kind of like blissful, wonderful little remarks, but they don't actually help. They're not helping any situations. And I think that was what was important for Karen to say, I don't need your apathetic emojis and hampers i need your actual physical support and like you said where were these people when karen didn't have a job and was really struggling they weren't there and i love that they brought denise into this it was important for denise to be the one who came and said yeah as emma said i know that like that was stupid the hamper i should have done more sooner i didn't and now i feel bad i just want to help in any way i can what i do love is that the entire of Warfad redeems themselves, Emma. They redeem themselves, Emma, in fantastic form. They do a, it was me, I'm Spartacus moment, don't they? they <laughs> I do did that love that. Like, I loved when they all come like, together. I didn't see Karen smashing any, anything up. No, it was kids, wasn't it? Isn't that right, really? Yeah, it was kids. It was kids. I really thought they were all going to say, it was me, it was me, it was me. Like, I thought they were all going to do that. I would have loved that. Um <laughs> But I was a bit like, you know, in that whole speech where they're like, you should be ashamed of yourself, uh, not giving, uh, getting rid of someone. You can afford to to do up the shop and everything. How much does that cost you? But they never once were like, give her her redundancy. <laughs> they weren't saying that. And no. then at the end of the week, you do find out that Karen has got her job back. Good, because she was great in there. I loved her in the lingerie. Exactly. 
We cannot lose the laundrette as a staple location. That was a legendary location. Oh, yes. Stacy, that was the scene of one of Stacy's most harrowing events with Archie. It was the, the place that, like, Pauline and Dot would sit and gossip about everyone. Good times. It's like the laundrette always needs someone like Karen. Do you think it's getting revamped like um, the Minute Mart? Because obviously you had people in there and, well, she smashed everything. So yeah, you know, she's going to need a few new stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think it has, I hope when it does get revamped, because I think you're right, it is looking like it's going to get a whole remake or like revamping. Uh, and I hope when that does happen that like we see more time in the, in the laundry, like even if it's just people like, you know, talking, whilst washing their clothes like that was something that's used to be a, a mainstay on um EastEnders like even as like you know like during like 2000s and things like that it was still going on there it just kind of drifted away a bit the laundrette mm. once Pauline died I think like you're seeing less of certain places and quite a lot of of us and like one of them being rubies where the lights are very rarely on yeah, yeah, it's difficult to kind of see in there to begin with, <laughs> let alone like understand what's happening in the scene. Well, that old eyesight's getting bad, man. I mean, I do love a new place, but I also treasure old places. Yes. And, and I feel like the laundrette is one of them places that it needs more time to shine. It needs more... I think, like, you could get Karen and someone else working in there together. Yes. Karen. Just anyone, like anyone, any, anyone a gossip, someone... a good old gossip. We need one of those. Kim. Yes. Oh, Kim. Kim and Karen, imagine. Kim and Karen would be brilliant. I mean, Foxcatcher's not going too well, so she might as well get a job there. This week's Slapping Dan goes to Mr. Papadopoulos. I mean, it has to, doesn't it? What kind of a cold-hearted individual is he? That when they're like, when the whole of the square is like, you know that Karen is missing someone. Don't, she's missing her daughter. Do not send her to jail. And he said, don't give us your sub stories. Like, ew, horrible little thing. Our hero, or should I say heroes this week, are Fat and Kathy. Yes, it's a trio! <laughs> they all tried their best to defend and secure the Balam wedding. As Kathy and Fat are our heroes of the week, Connor will rate out of Fats and I'll rate out of Kathy's. And I'm going to give this week 3.5 Kathy's. Well, I'm going to give this week 3.5 Fats because... This is just the build-up week. This is the build-up before the big week, the Balam wedding. And it has everything that you want from a build-up week, but it just was missing little touches here and there of the other stories that were going on. This week's episode is sponsored by Tina's Rooms. If your nephew has no more room in his home, or perhaps you've just been kicked out of your own or have gone walkies with the dog, Come to Tina's rooms. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.